There we go. Yo, what's the deal, baby? This your boy, Uncle Luke. The Luke Show, right here, podcast. I got the great Desmond Howard from Michigan ESPN by way of St. Joseph High School in Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> and now he resides somewhere here in South Florida. I'm not going to tell y'all. Hey, Des, thank you for coming on, man. Hey, brother, it's, it's a it's a pleasure and it's an honor, man. So uh, thanks for having me. I look forward to this. I see you you put a St. Joe's out too, St. Joe's in Cleveland, Ohio. Yes, sir. Yeah, man. Hey, you know, you know me being a high school coach. You know, I always try to I try to go get go deep and get information when I'm talking to people. You know, because I I just high school. High school pop Warner, it just means so much. People don't realize how much it means to a player in their life. Like, you know, we see these guys, you know, guys get on TV and they say they forget about the college. They don't say the name of the high school. You know, it, it's like, you know, the high school is, is the most impressionable moment, I, I, my personal opinion. So I'm always talking about high schools. Tell me, tell me uh, did you play pop Warner? Yeah, yeah, man. No, you hit you hit the nail on the head with that, brother. Because um, you know, so back in Cleveland, it was the uh, it was the Cleveland Browns Muni League. So it was a Muni League football, but just like Pop Warner, some some people call it CYO. But um, yeah, I played you know little league Pop Warner football um, growing up, and just like you said, I mean that that whole journey from. Little League football or Pop Warner, Muni League football to high school is um, is just so important. Like you, you as a as a young athlete, you get your you get your foundation from that, from those experiences. That that just, in my opinion, it can put you on the right course. At least it did for me. That's what really put me on the right course. And every everybody that I had as an, as an head, as a head coach, in my opinion, they were an extension of the previous head coach. So like, I'll give you a perfect example. So my, um, little league team, my Muni league team was called St. Tim's and, um, my peewee coach was a guy named Nate Clark, but then my bantamweight coach was a guy named Bruce and coach Bruce was you know an extension of Nate Clark. Nate Clark taught us discipline. Bruce took that to another level. Like you know you you had to do things a certain way. Um, and after I got through with um, St. Tim's and I went to St. Joseph's High School, which is a whole whole other story. Like I don't know how much time you got on this podcast, but that's a whole another story. But my coach there was a legendary high school uh, football coach in the state of Ohio named Bill Gutbrod. And let me tell you, Luke, this man, Bill Gutbrod. Now, let me let me back up. So when I played Little League, I played in the inner city. So all of mm-hmm. my teammates were black. All of my coaches were black. So Nate Clark, peewee football, black head coach, black staff, black teammates. Um, Bruce. When I played for Bruce, went up to the Bantamweight, same deal. Now I go across town and play for this uh, guy, Bill Gutbrot, who was at that time, he was the only 
football coach St. Joe's ever had. He had been there since 1950. Wow. And, yeah, yeah. And so uh, so he's a white guy. Now, you know, white staff. Uh, I'm going across town playing at St. Tim's. So it's a Catholic school. So, you know, now I have white teammates. And um, it was it was like a culture shock from the standpoint of how they approach things. Now, he was a disciplinarian, too, because he was a World War II vet. Um, yeah, yeah. So he, you know, he 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 ran it like we it was military style, like which was cool by me because that's what I was used to. Disciplinary. We do things the right way. Boom, boom, boom. You don't complain. And we practiced three times a day in pads, brother. Like we hit wow. three times a day. And the crazy thing is that, <laughs> and so in his uh, in his mind, Coach Gutbrod's mind, he thought that football was such a physical sport that either you or the person you were playing against, your opponent, should be bleeding. So, but listen. So the man, I, I, I'm not kidding you. You can Google it too. He used to his. His most prominent saying was, where's the blood? Where's the blood? He'd come up to you during practice. He'd grab you by your jersey and say, where's the blood? Where's the blood? And then, brother, and then he would take it a step further. If there was no blood on your uniform, he would reach in his back pocket, pull out a bottle of Heinz ketchup, and squirt it on you. (laughs) I'm not making this up. You can Google it. I'm trying to tell you this is Back. And so wow. I was like, wow, this is how these white coaches get down, huh? This is crazy. Like, this is bananas. But I tell you what, man, it was a hell of experience. And um, you know, it just it, it it put in that whole mentality, first of all, discipline, hard work, and physicality. So um, yeah, you hit it on the head though. Like, but those experiences, brother, from little league football to high school. I would not trade them for anything in the world because they set the foundation for not only the the the, the football player I became, but also just the, the man I became. Yeah, I, I always that's why I always like the you know because everybody got their stories when it came from from Pop Warner to, to, to high school because it, it, it what people don't realize is how many years a kid has played, you know, like down here in South Florida, they'll start off at the four and five, end up playing from uh, four to five to 15 years old on the park, 14 years old on the park. That's, what is that, 11 years already. And then they go into high school for another uh, three or four years. And, and you know, some of these kids have almost uh, 15, 17 years under their belt before they even get to college. And I know those are the most important uh, impressionable moments to set you up uh, for college. So let me let me ask you: Were you like a, a blue chip five star coming out of uh, St. Joseph? Yeah, I tell you what. So when I so St. Joe's interesting story about St. Joe's. So St. Joe's was a school that was really prominent in basketball. Like we had like some guys who we sent from high school uh, to to college, and then eventually played in the NBA. Like a guy named. Uh, a guy named Stan Kimbrough, a guy named Kevin Edwards, uh, Clark Kellogg, you know, several guys like that. So, But then we did have some guys who went to the NFL, too, like the Golick brothers, Mike and Bob Golick. Uh, but it's more known at that time for, for, for basketball, especially, especially nationally. So 
when I went to Joe's, um, you know, I was a hooper too. I played basketball, uh, but some things happened on on the between me and the basketball coach. Like I said, that's another story. We get we get to that another podcast. But anyway, my the basketball coach. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a whole. Other- that sounds like it's a whole nother movie there. Oh, it is, brother. I'm trying to tell you. I got some stories, man. I got some stories, but uh <laughs> I know. I think they got such big egos or something. I don't know, but I tell you, and then the 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 big part of the story is my dad was involved. My dad, he's just no nonsense. He ain't he don't play that at all. Like at all. Yeah, so we we all know how that it, that played out. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so I'm um uh, so my junior year, we were a team that we were ranked nationally. So you know, had like the the USA Today top twenty five. Yeah. So we were we were ranked in the USA Today top twenty five. So you know, once you do that, then a lot of college programs they start to pay attention to you. So um, you know, we were, we were ranked nationally and then my senior year, we were ranked nationally. Then we played all the comp, top competition in the state of Ohio. Like, like if anyone's familiar with like high school football and you can go way back, like way, way back, like some of the most prominent high school football programs were like in the state of Ohio, like Maslin, Ohio, Canton McKinley, Ohio. Uh, Akron, St. Vincent, St. Mary, stuff like that. Like, so we played all of those guys. So because we had such a rigorous schedule and we were ranked um, in the uh, in the top 25 in the country, and I was, um, you know, I guess the, um, the best player on the team, I was a running back. I used to carry the ball like 25, 30 times a game. Then I got a lot of letters. I don't think they had to – the star system back then where you got like four stars and five stars. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I was, I was highly recruited though, for sure. So you, so you, so you ended up at Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, sir. How come you didn't end up, I mean, being a, a, a a big time player, uh, in Ohio, how come you didn't end up in, at Ohio state? Oh yes. Let me tell you about that. So check this out. So my, my senior year, Ohio State. And then let me, let me go back. I was never like a college football fan. So I didn't grow up like a lot of kids in Ohio, you know, loving the Buckeyes. Like a lot of kids here, they love like the Canes. You know what I mean? Like they love the Canes. Or they may love like the Gators. Or they may love Florida State. But they love one of those three um, big names uh, football programs that's in the state of Florida. I wasn't like that. I was a huge NFL fan. Like I lived for Sundays and Monday night football. I lived for that. I was a huge Dallas Cowboys fan. Tony Dorsett was my guy. You could not tell me. Like I said, I was a running back in high school. So anytime we went outside, we played Sandlot football or something, man, I had to be Tony Dorsett. Now, hey, you could be anybody. You could be Franco Harris. You could be Walter Payton. You could be Earl Campbell. I don't give a damn. But I'm going to be TD33. And if I ain't TD33, then we're going to have to fight for it. So I was a huge Cowboys fan. I didn't really care about the Buckeyes. I didn't, you know, I didn't watch a lot of college football until um, New, Year's, New Year's Day, which was the Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all. So my senior year, it was just um, – I remember telling my dad, 
the Ohio State was off the table. He said, how come, son? <clears throat> I said, because they had fired their head coach, a guy by the name of Earl Bruce. And they, they were bringing in this guy named John Cooper from out west, I think like from out, out in Arizona somewhere. And we didn't know anything about this guy. So I was telling my dad, I said, listen, I don't know, you know, anything about this coach. I don't know what type of offense he wants to run, what type of personnel he wants to use. And I said, Dad, quite frankly, I just don't want to be part of a rebuilding program. So even though I lived in Cleveland, uh, I never even took an unofficial visit to Columbus. The first time I stepped foot on that campus um, after uh, was in the, was an amazing blue uniform. I never even took an unofficial visit to Columbus. So that's how come I didn't end up a Buckeye. And the crazy thing is, uh, I'll tell you something wild. So you remember, you know, OJ McDuffie, right? Played for the Dolphins. Dolphins, great. Yeah. Yep. Okay. OJ McDuffie, we were in high school at the same time. He played at a high school called Hawkin. It was a nice private school. And they used to always compare our highlights every Friday night or Saturday night. He was a running back. And Hawking too. Like our careers like really took a very similar path. OJ went from Hawking to Penn State. And then he became a wide receiver at Penn State. He was a running back in high school, became a wide receiver at Penn State. I went from St. Joe's to Michigan. I was a running back in high school, became a wide receiver at Michigan. One day I was up in uh Gainesville and I was visiting with um uh Urban Meyer. And there was a guy sitting in the office with Urban Meyer who he looked familiar, but I couldn't place his face. And he was like decked from head to toe in Gators paraphernalia, right? So I'm like, man, where do I know this guy from? But I couldn't place it. So then we were done talking. And then Urban said, hey, Desmond, I want to introduce you to somebody. This is Earl Bruce. I'm like, damn, that's where I know him from. That's Earl Bruce, the former Ohio State coach, right? And so I'm like, man, I knew I knew your face, but you really threw me for a loop with all that gator gear on you wearing, you know? So come to find out, you know, Urban, I guess, had coached as a GA or whatever under Earl Bruce, so they were tight. And so Earl Bruce, you know, was talking about, you know, the good old days back in Ohio, Ohio high school football. And I was telling him the same story that I told you about why I didn't even go down to Ohio State. He told me, he said, Desmond, it's funny you said that because the same thing happened with O.J. McDuffie. And that's why O.J. McDuffie didn't go to Ohio State. He went up there to Pennsylvania and played for Joe Paterno. He said the same exact thing happened. I said, wow, that's bananas. Not even though I had to talk to O.J. because O.J. is my dude. But I was like, that's crazy. That Yeah, because, you know, they fired him. They lost, and who else, you know, you never know how many other recruits they might have lost, too, because you know how that, that whole thing goes. But, yeah, I was like, they're off the table, Dad. I'm not even going to take an unofficial visit to Columbus. Yeah, I, 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 can, I can imagine that. The, the stars do align in a lot of different ways. So now you get to Michigan. Yeah. And, and uh, you go to Michigan, you win the Heisman Trophy, and uh, – and, 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 and and that's the reason why I asked you about the high, the uh, Ohio State. Uh, the reason you didn't go to Ohio State because in in the in, in ninety one you strike the the Heisman polls on, on 
Ohio State. So I'm like, okay, this might be a, a all my life always. Yeah, he, he, you know, it's, it's on some, okay, Ohio State didn't recruit this cat. And he, he just got back at them in a, in a, in a major for a big stage and then go off and win the Heisman Trophy. So, it's, it's amazing. So what, what made you, did, did you think about that before the game? Was that a part of the the plan, or, or just happened in the, in the, in in the moment? You just got caught up in the moment. Oh man! So listen. So check this out. So when the season began, we um, we started the season. Oh, uh, listen. So when the season began, Sports Illustrated had this quarterback on the cover uh, named David Klingler. He was the quarterback. Klingler. Yeah, you remember David Klingler? Yeah, I want to think he didn't he end up in Miami on the transfer. He he was a Houston quarterback. He he was a Houston quarterback, and they had him on the cover of SI holding a bundle of dynamite, saying that it was like a foregone conclusion that he was going to become the next Heisman Trophy winner because they already had a quarterback win it named uh named Ware. So since Ware won it, they thought that, okay, this kid's going to win it too. So anyway, so it was almost a foregone conclusion. He was going to win the Heisman um, that year. So the first game we played, um, we played Tom Coughlin's team, Boston College, and we went up to their, their spot. And, Luke, that game up in their backyard, I scored four touchdowns that afternoon. I caught, wow. three, yeah, I caught three touchdowns and returned a kickoff for a touchdown, four touchdowns. And – the only buzz I got after that was like, yeah, you know that kid Howard in Ann Arbor? Yeah, he's all right. He's a pretty good player. That was about it. That's all. The next weekend, the, what, we played Notre Dame in Ann Arbor, national TV, Keith Jackson, the whole nine. We played Notre Dame. I scored two touchdowns on Notre Dame. Now, one of them was, you know, it was a pretty uh, it was a pretty important play because it was a fourth and one. It was a diving catch. It was a spectacular play. But yet and still, it was two touchdowns against Notre Dame. And the next thing you know, I'm on the cover of Sports Illustrated. People are oh. like, oh, okay, you know, maybe this kid's pretty good. Uh, maybe we should talk, think about him for the Heisman. Like, like that whole, like those two weeks alone always proved to me that it's not just what you do, it's who you do it against too, right? So now I'm like a guy who has this Heisman buzz. So as the season grows older, I become a front runner. And guys on my team are telling me, man, you know, you should do something. You should, you know, you got to do something. You know, you got to, you know, they never said what, but like you got to do something because the only thing I would ever do is I would do the Barry Sanders. I would, you know, score a touchdown, hand the ball to the official, turn around and just celebrate with my teammates, you know, because, you know, up there in Michigan anyway with Bo Schimbeckler, it was always about the mantra is the team, the team, the team. No individualism whatsoever. It's always about the team. So that's all I would do is hand the ball off, celebrate my teammates. But that summer, Luke, that summer, I was dating this gymnast, right? And so I'm dating this gymnast, and I, I told her, I said, I want you to teach me how to do a backflip. Uh oh, because <laughs> I always thought it would be the coolest thing to like break out in the open and then stop like around I don't know maybe the two one yard two uh, one yard line and then do a backflip into the end zone 
um, you know, the, the score. I thought I thought it would be the coolest thing. So I, I spent numerous, numerous, you know, a lot of time with this with this girl I was dating, uh, trying to learn how to do a backflip. And I knew how to do it. She actually taught me. I was like, okay, cool. This is cool. So now we fast forward the season to the last game of the, the year. The last game is always the Ohio State game. You know, it's the big rivalry. I'm from the state of Ohio. I'm like, man, if I if I if I get into the end zone today, I gotta do something. I gotta do something special. My, Cause my guy's like, man, come on, you gotta you gotta do something, man. You gotta do something. So this is the last opportunity. So I'm like, okay, I know what I'm gonna do. If I break out in the open, I'm gonna do a backflip to the end zone, go blow everybody's mind. That's what I'm gonna do. So here it is, Luke, my golden opportunity. These guys, the Ohio State Buckeyes, I think their whole mentality coming into that game was we want to derail Desmond Howard's Heisman campaign. If wow. we, I don't if they lost that game by 50 points, but I hadn't scored a touchdown, I think they would have had a happy bus ride back from Ann Arbor to Columbus. I really do. They were playing their safeties so so far back, Luke. It was almost like they were lined up to catch putts. Like they were hell bent <laughs> on not letting me score a touchdown that day. And so, you know, I'm I'm a competitor and I got like this burning fire inside me. And I'm like, man, I'm pissed. I'm just so angry because I can't I can't get my can't get my plays off. I can't get off. I can't, you know, break any big ones. So I'm like, man, cussing and everything. I'm so hot. I'm hot. So now I'm I'm lined up on a 10-yard line to catch a punt. And you know this because you coach, but let's, you know, say this for your your audience. The general rule of thumb, if you're a punt returner, is if the uh, opponent is punting anywhere near midfield, as a returner, you have to put your heels on the 10-yard line. And if the ball appears mm-hmm. to be traveling over your head, you let it go. Right. You're not supposed to retreat to catch the ball. You want you know, the thought process is it should if it, if it's going over your head, nine times out of ten, it's going to bounce into the end zone and the offense will start at the 20-yard line or whatever. So. I'm pissed. I'm hot. I can't get off. I'm like, man, these dudes here—they playing so far back. They don't want to let me. To, they, they don't want me to score, you know. So I'm like, lined up ten yard line loop, and dude punted the ball, and I can tell, you know, I'm like, Shh, man, damn, this ball about to go over my head, <sighs> man. I'm like, damn it, hell with it. So I started to, t- I started to retreat. I started to go back so I could catch it. And at that point, I think I caught it like maybe on the seven yard line. And at that point, now I'm I, I I'm vested in make, making something happen now. Because if I get caught or tackled anywhere inside the twenty yard line, that's going to be looked upon as a stupid, bonehead, dumb, selfish ass play. Like that's how it would be looked. You know, that's right. how people would look at. It. Especially my coach would be pissed, and it just it would be a bad, bad situation for me. So I got to make something happen, right? So I make the first wave of tacklers miss. Um, and now I'm looking at the second wave coming. I'm like, okay, this is going pretty good now because at least I didn't get caught inside the 20. And I'm like, okay, I, I can set this guy up, make him think I'm going to go towards the field, but I'm going to go more towards the sideline because most guys, they want to you know, try to force you where the pursuit is coming from. And I went against right. the grain. Yes, I went against the grain, and I faked it in. It came out, and now I'm looking at the punter. And I swear to you, I promise you, I'm looking at the punter, and now I'm looking at him thinking, okay, 
Am I going to do this backflip or not? Because there's no way this dude's going to catch me. This is a wrap. Nah, this is done. <laughs> it's a wrap. So as I, I make this dude miss, and I'm running. Uh-huh. So I'm running, right? No, I'm, I'm just thinking, laughing. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to and, and I'm going down like Ohio State sideline too. And I'm thinking, should I do the backflip? Yes. No. Yeah, do it. Do it. It'll be hype. Ah, if you mess it up, you'll be on Sports Center for the wrong thing. I like, shoot. Bro, I got inside the 10-yard line and I chickened out. <laughs> I talked myself out of, out of doing the, 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 the backflip. And then I just crossed the goal line. I said, well, I got to do something. And I just uh, I hit that pose, and it was like spontaneous. You know, it was maybe for a second, but because of, you know video and because of the still picture, it'll it'll last. You know, it'll it'll, it'll last the test of time for sure. But yeah, it was a, a spontaneous um, move by me because I chickened out and didn't do the backflip. <laughs> wow! And I guess uh, and I guess uh, that ended your relationship with the gymnast. <laughs> This is where I'm supposed to be getting my shine, and I'm telling my mama he's gonna do a black thing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I guess I guess that's I guess that's how how Pump came in the picture. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> oh, oh, so, 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 now, so so now you go for, you 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 win the Heisman Trophy. Yeah. And then you get you 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 get drafted in the first round. And now we we get into the NFL. You get into the Super Bowl game. Yeah. And that, I mean, that was probably one of one of the most amazing games I've seen in a long time because it uh, again, again, sound like the same story over where where the quarterback was supposed to win the Heisman Trophy. Everybody in America just knew Brett Favre was going to win the MVP award. Yeah. And then you end up winning the MVP. In 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 uh, in in the Super Bowl, which was a uh, which was a great thing. But the question I know a, a lot of a, a lot of a lot of folks in the hood uh-huh. was like, "Man, that Brett Far had to be hot." I know that mo. They had to be hot. That mo. How? Oh no! You know, you know, we conspiracy theorists in the hood. No right. man, that they they get to that brother. They had to miss miss boat. We we knew it. They. They had to make a mistake because yeah, he got off. But you know they don't normally give it to the brother; they give it to Brett Favre, the quarterback. So when you did you did you think you was gonna get it? Were you surprised that you got it? And what was the reactions after that? Oh man, I was I was yeah I was shocked. I was shocked. You know I listen. <clears throat> I'm on the field with like legitimate first ballot Hall of Famers, like not only Brett Favre. But we also had Reggie White, the Minister of Defense, and uh, you know he was on the field. He was on that team. And the crazy thing is, like when when people watch that game, like if they pay attention, right after that, because you know it's all about 
it's not about what you do. Like I said, it's about when you do it and who you do it against. And because the momentum swift that the, the momentum switch that happened with that kickoff return. I mean, you know, we had the lead, but you know how how games go, man. I mean, you look at the momentum and you get a team that they're starting to build momentum. They're starting to ride that wave. If you don't let air out of their sails, you know, they're going to go ahead and steamroll you. We've seen that time and time again. So the Patriots, they were mounting the comeback. I mean, Bill Parcells, they were out there doing their thing. And they had uh, Curtis Martin, and he started to tote the pill, and he ran, and he scored, and, you know, they had that confidence going. And it was just the the timing of everything. Like, that. not only did it take the win out of their sails, it also infused our team, like injected – like a boost of adrenaline in our team. So after that kickoff return and I scored, and in our defense, like they went out there and they played balls out. Like I think Reggie White might have gotten like two sacks after that. Like it was just like a whole different like team, especially defensively and the way they just took over. So it just gave our team – don't forget, this is a, a, a defense that the Patriots, they just drove the length of the field, scored a touchdown against – the last series. The only difference is they kicked it off and then I took it back for a touchdown. That defense now is right back on the field trying to stop the Patriots. They looked like a completely different defense after that touchdown because that momentum swing just does something to you, not only physically, but mentally too. So, um, and then you have to factor in that. So anyway, so I'm watching Reggie and them play. I just want, listen, Luke, I just wanted to get uh, a ring. I just wanted to win the game. That's all I'm I'm at that for. You know, I'm gonna do my part. You know what I'm saying? Right. But but that's all we want. Like everybody, they wanna be crowned Super Bowl champs. That's our goal. And so that was my my whole thing. Uh, but afterwards when uh I saw my name up there in light as the most valuable player of the game and I realized like how many records I had broken that night and tied or tied, then it all made sense because, I mean, I guess that's what, and I don't even know who votes to be honest with you, but I guess that's what they factor in too. But that play was so big that it, it swung the game back in our favor when it seemed like the Patriots were coming back and they were going to take the lead. So, you know, they had everything. It seemed like they had everything going their way until we returned that kickoff for a touchdown, and then just not only did it take the win out of themselves. And like you, you, if you ever listen to Bill Parcells or anybody who was on that uh, Patriots staff, then like they'll tell you, like they they say that 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 kickoff return deflated our whole sideline. Like it was, you know, it was almost like a wrap. So when you look at the momentum of a game, and you look at plays that impact the momentum. That was the biggest play in that game that night. And I guess, you know, that's why the people whoever votes for most valuable player uh, voted to give it um, to me. Yeah, the writers, the writers finally got it right. They don't normally uh, get it right, but they got they got it right that night. Let me let me ask you. Uh, so now you 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 got the 15 year career on a college game day. Hopefully I got my, my numbers right. And and now we end up in a pandemic where there's a possible chance that we don't have college football. I was listening to I, I was reading an article, uh, one of your colleagues 
uh, Kirk Herbstreet was talking about. Uh, I think it was, you know, he was saying something similar to, you know, um, it'd be ludicrous for for uh, school presidents to to let these kids go out and play because a large majority of the fan base are college students, you know, uh, because the money is already added into their tuition, that it, 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 it'll be, it'll be, it'll be virtually, it'll be bad business. I mean, what, what's your opinion on that? Wow. Uh, well, I tell you what, you know, this is unprecedented. And um, at this point, I, because we know so much about football and what it takes to prepare a team to go through a season, um, I don't know how far off Kirk was with that comment, but I know that the powers that be are very um, determined to have a college football season, uh, an NFL season. And so if this thing starts to flatten out, they're going to do everything in their power to make sure that they can have a college football season and, of course, an NFL season. So, you know, we, we're, we're in April now. We're still kind of early April. Um, hopefully if people start to do what they're supposed to do, stay indoors, um, only go out for the, the, the bare essentials, and we start to see this thing start to flatten out, um, I think one thing that Herb Street said was about a vaccine. If, if we can get some sort of vaccine now, I don't know how far away we are from that. But I just think if the reports start to come out, Luke, that it's starting to flatten out and we start to have any semblance of normality, just any just sign of it, then I think that's going to give uh, people the hope and courage that's actually going to take to be able to go out in society in stadiums and places like that, large gatherings, and, and feel comfortable again. And so this this is uh man, this is something that this is a hell of a time that we're living through right now and that we're experiencing. And the only thing that I can say is um if if it starts to flatten out and it shows like you know there's some hope in that that regard, and I know the powers that be will do anything and everything they can to try to hold um, a season for the for college football and for the NFL. Right. I, I was uh, just today. I was listening to a uh, some audio of uh, David Shaw, the head coach at uh, at uh, Stanford. Yeah, and he was he was talking about. A, a timeline, you know, because uh, I guess quite a few colleges, you know, been alerted that they're looking somewhere around July to start. And he was talking about the timeline of being able to get his guys ready to play a college football season. And he was saying it's anywhere from, you know, he he basically need about uh, almost, uh, I don't know, what, what did he say? Uh, did he say 12 weeks? Or something uh, like that. I wouldn't doubt uh, it. Just to get them conditioned right. and be prepared to play a, a, a football game based on uh, how violent the game is, you know, and, and just being able to, to be able to play. I mean, 
how, how long you think it would take? And, and that's one question. And when you guys played back in the days, did you have as much time as these guys have right now to prepare yeah. for a season? Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. And that's what um, I alluded to when I was talking about, like, you and I, we know what it takes to prepare for a season. Like, you know, they're missing um, winter conditioning. They're missing winter conditioning. They're about to miss spring ball. Like, these mm-hmm. are all important factors in that equation to preparing for a college football season. You know, the crazy thing is, Luke, like some people say, man, so what do you do? Like under normal circumstances, people would ask me around this time of year, man, so what do you do, you know, with all this time you got off? I'm like, we don't have a lot of time off because, you know, come, um, shoot, March, you know, spring football starts. So March and April and, and May, those are very, very important months as far as college football is concerned, because the storylines for the fall, they all start in the spring. You have all these early enrollees and guys who are transferring mm-hmm. with those those players on campus now and those, those those spots, the competition, they start in spring football. So my point is like these are some valuable months that they're missing as far as the development and the learning and execution of, of, of certain systems for teams. Another factor is, you know, you got first-year head coaches at different universities. They're the ones who are going to suffer the most because they need this time. They need this time not only to implement their offense, their defense, but also to evaluate the uh, the players that they have. So, right. yeah, so, you know, they, so it's, 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 there's so many layers to this that um, it, it seems like it seems like when Kirk made that comment, those are probably some of the factors that he was uh, thinking about. Because, like I said, like you, myself, Kirk, you know, we know what it nor- under normal circumstances what it would take. Now, could they speed that up? Could they expedite it? Could 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 it be condensed? <sighs> Man, I, I think it could be condensed. But I don't know how wise it would be to condense it to the point where you're risking now the health of these players. And I don't know if you heard what Mike Gundy said. Like, so Mike Gundy, uh, Oklahoma State's head coach, um, like he came out and just to paraphrase what he said, he pretty much said that, hey, these kids are young enough that they can fight this virus, that their systems are strong enough, their immune systems are strong enough that they can fight this virus. So we should get them back on our campus and let them prepare for a season because we have to fuel Oklahoma's economy. This is pretty much in a nutshell what he said about um, getting the players back on campus and dealing with the coronavirus. Yeah, I know it was, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that, that that's wild. That yeah, that that's that yeah, that that is that's wild absolutely. and reckless. Yeah, it's, it's wild and reckless. It's definitely that you know, and, and, and um, you know, it, it's it, it's going to be interesting because you know I you know I talked to some of my old time uh, football coaches and 
college coaches and they say, well, you know, we started up in August and we had to get ready for a game in September. Right, and right, right. <laughs> the first three games, and that was the whole reason why yeah. we played the brothers in the first three games, and not they just gonna have to they just gonna have to bear with it and, and get it going. And yeah. so I'm like, okay, yeah, that's a little <laughs> because because again, they don't they don't make them kind of kids no more. There you go, exactly. You hit it on the head, brother. Right? They don't make they them don't make that no more. <laughs> Speaking of blood and get fired, <laughs> Mike, Leach, Mike Leach just said one thing on the Twitter and, and everybody, everybody hit the transfer portal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> I mean, I mean, is there is there a possibility? It, and this is a, this is going to be probably the toughest question. And I know we kind of I'm a, uh, I ain't going to keep you too long from now. Is there a possibility? This is a tough question. You got to think real hard on this one. Okay, go ahead. Is there a possibility <laughs> that you do college game day? Either uh, for 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 the for the Ole Miss and Mississippi game, for the Mike Leach Mike Leach Lane Kiffin game, that that would be listen that I, I think that would be that's probably going to be the biggest game of the year because by the time they get together, <laughs> both of them be calling everybody each other sons of bitches on the on the Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Lock somebody up in a in a in a shed. Yeah, uh, Lane probably a street down the street uh, uh, somewhere in 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 Oxford. I, I guess that's where they at. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, Oxford. Who you taking that game? Who you taking that game? Oh man, I think well, I, I think that you know under normal circumstances. That would be a game that we would circle, you know, depending on what other games are going on that same weekend and what those two teams' uh, records are. So that would definitely be one, just because the storyline leads to that game. The, huh? the record is going to be horrible. It's the anti. The both of them going to get going to get the crap beat out of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Already, he's zero four already in that conference. <laughs> anyway. Both of them gonna get the record is gonna be horrible. It's it's just I mean the antic. I guess right. they, well they could probably change the name to the antic bowl. <laughs> they just might have to. Yeah, no, that would be one that we would love to to be at and and to see. No doubt about that. Believe me, everyone was buzzing about that. I mean, because you know, I believe Lane made the move first, and he made the move. We talked about it on game day. And then, lo and behold, when Mike Mike Leach made the move to Stark Vegas to uh, coach Mississippi State, we were like, "Oh man, that!" I think they call it the Egg Bowl. We like the Egg Bowl is never going to be the same. We can't wait for that matchup. You kidding me? He imagine no, the sound crazy. bites, the sound bites that week leading up to the game. Come on, man! That's what I'm saying. Yeah, now you man. with me? You leading up to the game? Absolutely. Oh, Absolutely, one hundred. One hundred. That's that's some serious. Hey, 
Hey, look, man, it was a it was a pleasure. I know me and you could sit on here. We could talk all day. We can say if we start, I already know. If we start talking about the kids, yeah. we'll be on here for 45 minutes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we get to do this again before before the season starts. Because I know you get real busy when the season starts. Yeah, but, man, uh, for sure. Anytime, bro. I, let me know. I, I just want to thank you. You're a legend in the game. To be able to have you on my podcast is it is a great thing, and uh, I just, you know, want to want to say thank you, and yeah. I really, really appreciate it. Man, well, you know, brother, listen, I, I admire you, I respect you, and what you're doing, you're a legend, and not only our communities, but communities throughout America, what you're doing to these young guys in, in this, this high school football, and even before high school football, the youth football, to keep doing what you're doing, it's a pleasure and honor to be on here. Let me know anytime you need me, brother, i jump on here with you, brother. It'd be my, my pleasure. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Yes, there sir. it is, ladies and gentlemen. That was Desmond Howard, the great Desmond Howard. <laughs> the great Desmond Howard. <laughs> thank you, brother. No, he never, no, he never went to any, you know, because most people ask, oh, Luke, you ain't asked him uh, about how him, how him came, how do, you, how do you come to your parties? And oh, no, Des, Des was a nice guy. Some other Michigan guys. Yeah, you know, but yeah. thank you, my brother. And uh, y'all stay you and the family. Tell Funk, my girl, I love her. We'll and uh, peace. We'll do, brother. You stay stay healthy, brother. Stay safe. Thank you. Yes, sir. All right. All right.